So what is a payphone? I don't know about you, but I'm getting more and more of these moments where something that seemed normal to me when I was a kid makes absolutely no sense to, to my kids these days. You know what I'm talking about? Today, our oldest, uh, two oldest kids have cell phones, specifically for emergencies and uh, coordinating pickup times and locations related to school and you know, all, the, all the events. But when I was their age, whenever I finished tennis practice or some after-school event, uh, I'd have to walk over to a payphone at, at, a, at an ice cream shop that was across the street from the school to call my parents. Unfortunately, uh, or but usually, I, I didn't have any money, so I would call my parents collect. Again, what? What is that? So essentially, the person who accepts a collect call from somebody else pays for the call, right? <laughs> so, some, somebody tell me that you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So I'd call, I'd call collect, and then I'd have to state my name so that the person who's receiving the call would know who's on the other end, and then they could decide whether or not they wanted to, to accept the call, right? So, um, so when I would be asked to state my name, I would say, come and pick me up. And then my parents would get a call with a message that says, will you accept a collect call from, come and pick me up. <laughs> and then they would reject the call, and then come and pick me up, right? So going through all of that, our kids have no idea how easy it is for them, right? When I was a kid, I often had to walk to school in the snow during the winters. In western New York, there's a lot of snow. And even when, um, when I did get a ride, we'd have to shovel out the driveway ahead of time. We'd have to scrape ice off of the car. We'd have to start the car about 10 minutes early so that it would work and that it would be warm on our way to school. Our kids have no idea how easy it is for them. <laughs> but of course, my parents said the same thing about me, and their parents said the same thing about them, and who started this whole when I was your age thing anyway, right? Like, how long ago did that start happening? Now, on the one hand, it's natural. I mean, what we're talking about is a version of our experience, right? It's a part of our story which is a good thing for us to be able to share. It's a good thing for us to be able to tell those stories and to pass them on. I, honestly, I wish that I could ask more questions about my grandparents and their when I was your age stories, right? And, and, and their parents before them. But when I was your age stories aren't usually or aren't always just stories, but sometimes they're hidden or not so hidden criticisms of the experiences of the next generation, right? When I was your age, kids were obviously tougher and therefore better, which means I was tougher and therefore better, right? Like I walked uphill to school both ways in the snow without any shoes on, th those type of stories, right? The hidden message that I'm only now starting to notice in my own stories, as I talk to my kids, you guys don't need to listen right now, um, is why can't you suppress your emotions and just push through? That, that, that's sort of the hidden message that, I, that is there that I'm not always aware of. My, my therapist wife says to me, so how well has that worked out for you? <laughs> right. We want to teach our kids resilience, not emotional disconnection. Right, she's absolutely right. So the stories we tell from our individual perspectives can be helpful and at times unhelpful. 
They can bring us together and they can drive us apart, which is why it's important to share our experiences. It's important to say these things out loud, out loud because how else are we supposed to notice some of these hidden messages or how else are we supposed to notice some of the limitations of our perspectives, our individual perspectives? This is what we've noticed throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, the character Koheleth, or the author, is speaking from his own experience, what he sees happening under the sun. And in his experience, at times, he finds that his experience is completely different from his religious tradition or from what he, he reads in the Bible in other places like the book of Proverbs. So like us, his experiences point him at times in the right direction, and sometimes his experiences point him in the wrong direction. He's both foolish and wise. He's both aware and unaware, sort of all at the same time, right? Like he brings his full humanity into this biblical story. So this character in the Bible is inviting us. We could say the Bible is inviting us to bring ourselves, all of who we are, our stories, our experiences, what we've learned, and, and the questions that we have into conversation with one another, into conversation with God, into conversation with the Bible and with our religious tradition. It's through conversation and community that we discover both the value of what we have to offer and the limitations of our perspectives. I mean, we like what we have to offer, but, but we also learn the limitations of our own perspectives when we're in conversation and when we're in community. So in May, I was driving our son to school, and he asked me what life was like when I was a kid, and so I told him some stories, and then I did the whole, well, it was way harder than it is for you type of a thing, and then he said, well, at least you didn't have to worry so much about school shootings. And then when I picked him up that afternoon, he was the one that told me about Uvalde. Sometimes I have no idea how hard it is for our kids these days. So Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Do not say, Why were the older days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Then skipping down to the end of verse, verse 14, it says, No one can discover anything about their future. We, we can't tell the future. So we bounce back and forth between the good old days and life will be better when right? The good old days and life will be better when, but we fail to find joy or peace or meaning here and now in the present moment. It's just hard to be here because sometimes the present moment is just too scary or too complicated or too confusing and we don't know what's going on. So remember, Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes, life is like smoke. We can't control it, we can't fully understand it. We can't contain it. Life is here one day and it's gone tomorrow. So you might as well eat, drink, and be glad. Eat, drink, and enjoy your work. Eat, drink, and enjoy life because this moment is really all that we have. We no longer have the past and we don't have the future. Right? Okay, so good. Sounds fantastic. How does that work? Again, returning to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 2 through 4, it is better to go to a funeral than to a feast, for death is the end of everyone, and the living might discover something from it. Sorrow is better than laughter. By sadness, the heart is made glad. Uh, 
I mean, okay, so this is our last week in Ecclesiastes. So we, we've, been, we've been doing this for like seven weeks, and so uh, take heart. So next week we'll do something different. But what? What is happening here is sort of what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, blessed are the poor, or blessed are the hungry. Blessed are you who are weeping now. Blessed are you when people hate you, or exclude you, or insult you. Wait, what? <laughs> These statements sort of shock our system. They're, they're sort of confusing, because the system or the values of our economy tell us that joy and meaning in life comes only when we are rich and we have all the things. Joy and meaning comes only when everyone likes us and when we're feeling positive emotions. Joy and meaning comes when we have the resources to control life and to control what other people do so that nothing bad happens. Joy and meaning comes when the circumstances are in our favor. And so we spend all kinds of time and energy and money trying to hold on to these fleeting moments of positive emotion and popularity and wealth and life, and we spend all kinds of time and energy and money trying to avoid anxiety and fear and uncertainty and those uncomfortable emotions. And Ecclesiastes is trying to say that there is a deeper wisdom still. There is a deeper joy still when we lean into reality, even if reality includes grief, even if reality includes loss, even if reality includes circumstances that we would prefer not to be in, even if reality comes with uncertainty or with doubt. God is found even in those places. Joy and meaning can be found even in those places. So we might ask the question, what is so appealing about the good old days? Why do we tend to want to go back to those nostalgic moments? Well, honestly, I, I don't always know, but replaying the past feels a little bit like knowing the future. Does this make sense? If we could just go back, then things would play out in the same way. And if they played out in the same way, then I wouldn't be surprised by what happens or I wouldn't be experiencing uncertainty, or it wouldn't feel nearly as complex because I could see it all. I could see what would happen before it, and then what happens in the middle of it, and then I could see the outcome. So if we could just bring that back, then I would know what the future would hold for me, and life wouldn't be so scary and complicated. So if, if my kids were calling me collect on, on payphone saying, come and pick me up, our cell phone bill would be cheaper every month which means that at the end of the month I would have more money, which means that I might have a little bit less stress, which means that I would be happier. So if we want to make America great again, maybe we should bring back payphones, right? Like, wouldn't that be a great thing? Anyone on board? No? Except, so somebody, somebody wants it. Except, truth be told, if my kids had to go to an ice cream shop, to call me from a payphone, on most days I would get a collect call from, can we have ice cream, right? <laughs> Will you accept a collect call from, can we have ice cream? Which would probably cost more money, which would make me more stressed, which would make me unhappy, right? So, again, Ecclesiastes reminds us that we can't know the future. Even if we try to replay the good old days, we can't control all of life. We can't 
know what's going to happen. We can't control people. We can't control so many things. So what can we do? Ecclesiastes says, just enjoy it, whatever it is. Enjoy life with all of its uncertainty, with all of its complexity, just as it is. So in a few minutes, we'll, we'll share in communion this, this meal that Christians throughout the world and throughout history have shared together. We'll eat and drink. I don't know if we'll feel glad or not, because it's a meal that holds together all of the tensions and complexities of life. It's not a straightforward meal that we share together. At this table, we come to remember and to grieve the reality of death. But we also come to this table to celebrate this life-giving food and drink that is given to nourish us and to strengthen us and to refresh us. How do those go together? It's a meal that reminds us that of, of the, the injustice of a world that would rather kill than allow God's love to be wide and inclusive. But at the same time, at this table, everyone is welcome because not even death can separate us from God's wide and inclusive love. How can we experience both things at this table? At this table, we are attending a funeral and we are attending a feast. We are grieving and we are celebrating. And as Koheleth speculates, maybe there's something for us to discover here. Maybe there's something to discover as we lean into the complexity, as we lean into the uncertainty, as we lean into all of the tension that this meal offers us, a meal that is more reflective of life than we might imagine. So as we come to the table, we're invited to lean into the complexity of life, trusting that God is there, trusting that we can experience God's wide and inclusive love, Please pray with me. Jesus, we pray that you'd meet us in life as it is for each of us. In this present moment, remind us of your close presence and your care. Amen.